0: We all go. I'm Frank. I'm Brad, and I'm Dylan. Hey, Dylan, how you doing, bud? Good, man. Nice to be on here. Well, it's good to have you on here and uh, agreeing to do it with us. I I don't imagine you've uh, listened to many episodes.
1: Uh, I've listened to a couple, man. I was trying to support you. All right, see,
2: excellent. Well, I like we, Dylan. we appreciate a, it. Good guy. So you you may notice the new swag on the maiden voyage. Oh, yeah, just got I the see that. That's fancy. Day. Got him in. Yeah, merch.
0: Yeah, buddy. We do what we can. So I, maybe we we start uh, dealing with how.
1: You and I met. Oh man, I've been in retail for most of my adult working life, and I met you when you were just a, a humble and hungry ad salesman for KSOM.
0: I don't know how hungry I was. I weighed about two thirty then. <laughs>
1: yeah, you, you're you're getting paid well then.
0: <laughs> good at what I was doing. So uh, you yeah. you were working at a store in in Red Oak, and you were kind of their uh, their marketing guy, and I, I want to say you were the manager.
1: Yeah, so for a while there, I managed uh, True Value Hardware, U.S. Cellular, and Radio Shack, which, you know, for our small markets, stores within a store was kind of the norm. So I, I tackled all those different businesses and handled all the advertising and promotion for them as well.
2: Is there any Radio Shacks left? Have they dissolved
1: all those? Yeah, it, it died. Um, it was a pretty slow death, but I think they still kind of have a small online presence, but yep. yeah. Radio Shack, as we know it, is is
2: defunct. You should follow him on Twitter. I
1: I have. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that? Brian? I got him
2: on MySpace. Uh, so
0: <laughs> so someone bought MySpace, the, the, the <laughs> They bought the Twitter handle uh, for Radio Shack, and then they tweet all sorts of like wild shit. <laughs> it's, it's pretty nuts. That's funny. And for a while, people thought it was the actual Radio Shack doing it. Maybe cause... we
2: should squat on Blockbusters.
1: Oh. That'd be good. You hey, ever, that's still active. Do you ever work at a video store? So yeah, in high school, man. I worked at uh at High V and they had a video department. So by by default, I guess I was involved in that.
2: Every town had at least one, maybe two. Well, not every town, but most towns with at least five hundred people did back in eighty yep. seven. Are you about the same age as Frank and I, if you don't mind me asking? Uh I'm forty three. So Okay, older. you're pretty close. A little Easy. bit more experienced than we yeah. are.
0: Grandpa? Yeah. I'm more seasoned, yeah. <laughs> so so let's. We always start to clear back at the beginning. So tell us about uh, where you grew up.
1: So I'm from Southwest Iowa. Um, I was born in Atlantic, actually, and then uh, so, grew well, up in Elliot. Yeah, rural Elliot area, and then moved to Red Oak. Literally, my house uh, when I moved it was a mile down the road, but it put me in the Red Oak school district. So when I was uh, eight, I moved from Elliot to Red Oak. Technically, I, I do believe my, Turtle Creek uh, runs
2: right near Elliot.
0: Turtle Creek come through? Turkey Creek.
2: Turkey Creek. Does that run right near Elliot?
1: I have no idea.
0: Good. Let's say it does. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get away from that. So, so you, grew, you went to school in, in Red Oak. What did you do for uh, fun bumping yep.
1: around? Oh, man, I was a pretty quiet kid. I had a good circle of friends, but um, music and movies, man, that was kind of my thing. I was pretty comfortable hanging out, renting flicks. Um, just spent time. Pretty quiet, man. It wasn't really a partier. I was social, but not a, an active, wild-style kind of guy. So, yeah, man, a lot of time just watching flicks and hanging out in my house or my buddy's house or Did, a lot of basement dwelling.
2: I, I remember on the VCR, you always, you know, if you found that flick that had a boob scene in it or something, you always want to try to rewind it and find it. Well,
1: Yeah, those were always the parts that had bad tracking.
2: Right, they, they've been <laughs> run through a few times. Well, we had this babysitter. Yeah, they're that, always sketchy. <laughs> we had this babysitter go over once, my brother and I. And he might live just like two blocks north of us. Rhymes with Smiths, Menderson. Okay. But uh, he had this uh, video, and I remember there were just boobs everywhere in it. And then when they left, they went to put it in the freezer. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get that video out of the freezer. And I said, hey, what was that show they were watching? It was Iron Eagle. Oh, okay, Iron <laughs> Eagle. So we go to the video store that weekend. Hey, Brad, what's the movie you're going to pick? I'm going to watch Iron Eagle. <laughs> and I went and picked it out, and I'm fast-forwarding the whole time. There's just Chappie and that other young guy just – happened the whole time, no boobs. I I, I think I was no. duped.
1: Yeah, they got you on yep. that one. Yeah, old oh Lewis Gasser Jr. He wasn't big on the boobs. No, no, I. That, but that was
2: my best video rental story that I could come up with. Tight ship, yeah.
1: Tight
0: ship they yeah. So graduate from uh, Red Oak. Red Oak
1: going yep. on to ninety eight. Uh, University of Northern Iowa. I spent five and a half years up there. And then moved back to Red Oak um, just before the fall of 04. And jumped on the Radio Shack wagon and Radio Shack U.S. Cellular. And that kind of started my whole managerial career in Southwest Iowa.
2: Well, but you blasted way over your childhood. So how many brothers and sisters you grew up with?
1: So I've got two brothers and I have one sister. Uh, we didn't grow up together. Uh, kind of found out about her late in life, one of those scenarios. Yep. So, um, yep, I have a, a sister that's about a year and a half older than I am, but we didn't grow up together. But, yeah, I've got two younger brothers that I grew up with.
2: Okay. Did you guys live in town around the country down there? Or what, what kind of things did you do growing up?
1: No, we were rural. We lived in the country. Uh, my dad farmed with his dad and his brother when I was younger. So um, we had a uh, 160 acres to play with. And if we got holed up in the house, that was always my dad's go to. We had 160 acres. How the hell can he be bored? Right. He'll find something to do. So we did, you know, typical farm kid stuff, <laughs> play in the creek, play in the barns. Right. Just rough house outdoors. Yeah. You do what you do.
2: Yeah. did any neighbor kids ran around with or just, you know, out hunting bucks, driving trucks?
1: No, I wasn't much of a hunter. My younger two brothers kind of were into the, the hunting and fishing stuff. And I was kind of more of an urban kid. I was always stoked if I could spend the night in town with my buddies, uh, you know, run around the streets playing flashlight tag after dark and all that jazz.
0: Right. Sounds like uh, you, Brad, you, you
2: like to be in town. Well, I was going to say, it was always exciting to go see, cause I, same thing. I grew up in the country, but you had to go see a friend in town or ride your bike on concrete. That was kind of a big weekend.
1: <laughs> it was, man. It was a big deal. When I got old enough, my mom would let me ride my bike into town and it was like five miles. But, yeah, it, was, it was a good time. Ride my bike into town, take a little bit of money, go get some food or some sodas and hang out with my buds and then ride my bike back home.
2: Yeah, I would ride to school every once in a while and then ride back home. It's about four or five miles, probably about the same deal. Yeah.
1: But you have to cross a highway. Yeah, I
2: wouldn't. Down the highway. Just take the highway. Really? Yeah.
1: Man. Yeah, man. I had to ride my bike across Highway 34 and I made it, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. A-
0: Barely. <laughs> yeah. I almost got ran over by a car crossing the bridge on my bicycle. Yeah, and you were 35. Yeah. It <laughs> sucked. So, so anything else from your childhood we should know?
1: No, pretty typical, man. You know, southwest Iowa. Lost Iowa sports? Kids to grow up were, um, I did not. Um, we were on the lower end of middle class I suppose. So from the time I was old enough to work, you know, I was trying to to make my own way, you know. I, I had a taste for some finer things in life, but my parents couldn't really afford things like that so I made sure to go out and, and get what I wanted on my own. Yep. Well good for you.
0: You wanted real Dr. Pepper, not that Dr.
1: Thunder crap. Yeah, that wasn't even the thing back then, man. We had <laughs> we had Dr. Pepper and um, he was Mr. Pib then, he wasn't Pib Extra. So those are <laughs> your two choices. He was his regular Pib.
0: <laughs> he really really declassified himself when he went to Pib Extra.
1: Yeah. I think uh, we did have low-budget Mountain Dew, that hillbilly holler. Oh, yeah. Remember, Hutsey yeah, drink yeah, that all the time. Yeah,
2: used to drink all that. Yeah. Uh, so
0: you get back from college. Uh, any college stories? There's some, there's some things oh, man. you and
1: I. Oh, man. You and I, Cedar Falls is great. Like um, I wasn't a drinker, so my college experience maybe wasn't as as fun and lively as some of the other guys. But, man, there's a lot to do in Cedar Falls, Waterloo area. And kind of a culture shock a little bit, you know, if you guys are from Southwest Iowa, you get to where you get some more diversity and meet a lot of cool people and some friends I'm still in touch with today, but yep. yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy, but a lot of good times.
2: Yeah. For a sized town in Iowa, there's a lot of, like you say, diversity in, in Cedar Falls.
1: Yeah, it's nice and it's a, it's a quiet town. You know, there's not a lot of trouble. Um, I'm sure you could find it if you wanted to, but Man, you could be out all hours of the night and not really run into anybody that was trying to ruin your day. So did
2: you commute back and forth a lot to school, to college, or did you just kind of go up there and stay and come home on the big holidays? Or
1: No, I was, I was kind of your typical kid. You know, they used to call you and I a backpack school. And so my first two years, I kind of did that. There was a lot of kids from my area that went there, so we carpooled carpool. Um, we came back. Probably at least one weekend every month for the first couple of years. And then after my sophomore year, uh, well, after my junior year, I guess, I got an apartment and stayed up there year-round. I felt like I'd grown up enough to live on my own a little bit.
0: So what did you do for work up there? Because you said you were a
1: worker. Yeah, man. So uh, my first thing, I I took the easy route, and I just transferred to the high V up there. Um, And it was okay. So the thing about the college town high V's, the high school kids couldn't work past 10. But the college kids had to stay until the shit was done, <laughs> so they'd all just be kind of slow and lazy. And then come ten o'clock, and they'd all punch out. We'd still have like two hours of work, and I thought that was nonsense. So um, I jumped ship. And I was kind of a mall rat. When I wasn't in school or at work, I just go bummer around the mall. You know, go to Sam Goody and Pac Sun and all the cool spots. And um, the Pac Sun manager was like, "Man, you should just work here." I'm like, "Okay." So I was I was a Pac Sun guy. Sold surf and skate apparel for a couple of years. And that's probably the highlight of my life then. Was, was there any
2: good working stories, uh, from up until now of, uh, you know, say stuff that happened in the store, you couldn't believe, or, you know, somebody caught stealing or a fire there or anything like that. Anything exciting? You have to, so we were stealing.
1: We were pretty rowdy, man. Like in my high V days, um, no, no, they just told me to call the cops, but, um, <laughs> We'd go and we'd make big piles of boxes in the back and we used to like WWE style, jump off the, the balcony <laughs> from the break room into the box piles. Um, did a lot of stuff we probably shouldn't have done. Uh, we'd hook shopping carts up to somebody's truck and drag around the parking lot after we get off work. And that's kind of the thing, you know, you become pretty tight with your work crew and yeah, you punch out at 10 o'clock and then you hang out in the parking lot until 11, 12 o'clock until it's time to go home. Yep, and Just do whatever, you know. Is that no the, no vandalism or anything. But.
0: Is that where the front wheel never works? Is because the, the crew's pulling around the, yeah, man. the trucks?
1: Yeah, we're doing donuts and hoping to tip somebody over and <laughs> drag their skull across the pavement.
2: <laughs> I just get that vision of Ted when he's in back with the little teddy bear doing that cute stock girl.
1: Uh,
2: uh, <laughs> Ted, the. I didn't teddy catch any of that ever. But, yeah.
1: I, I, there's
2: there's I none of that. But.
0: Again. You reference it quite a bit.
2: It's a good flick. Well, yeah. as far as pornographic teddy bear videos go
0: oh so not not don't let the girls watch it
2: well you can't no you can. it's, not a, it's not
1: really a family film
2: we no. watched sausage party together my mom said there was a hot dog jumping in a bun <laughs> brooklyn told jess we were busted <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's pretty great that's pretty great so where are we at in the the timeline what here? we're up
2: to is college I V career uh he's
1: partying in the yeah, parking doing our- donuts with shopping carts and then, you... yeah, man, then like I said, I jumped ship to Pac sun, which was like the dream job for a kid who skated and, you know, I got paid to wear the stuff that I would have bought on my own. But, uh, I don't think I ever got a paycheck. They, every time the paycheck came it had to pay off my store account. So I was, I was dressed pretty fly, but I didn't have anything to show for it.
0: <laughs> Working for sneakers.
1: Pretty much, man. But man, as soon as that tr- that truck would back up, I'd have to crack open and see what the new footwear was. I had a pretty sick collection of Vans and uh, DCs back in the day.
0: So do you still have a collection of shoes? Do you still collect shoes?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of a sneakerhead, man. You know, when I was in high school, it was all about Nikes and um, the pretty trendy stuff. And then when I got to college, man, it was everybody's signature shoe. So, you know, your are Tony Hawk and Bam Margera. and um, so- One of my favorite skaters, a guy named uh, Jim Greco. Wasn't really well known. He wasn't a household name, but... Um, he had this pair of bands that was probably like my all-time favorite shoe, which I do not have anymore. But, yeah, man, I still got a pretty good collection of footwear.
2: So, being a skater, you had to have a run-in with the Law at some time or another. What was your first run-in with the Fuzz?
1: So, man, it was a uh, – so, no beard and I had really long hair at the time. Um, I was going to, to Florida City, Iowa, visit a buddy, so, the front seat was three girls, and then there was two girls in the back, and I was in the middle, and they got pulled over for, for speeding, and the cop made me get out of the car. You were the and only dude? I I was the only dude. I said, skater, long hair. He made me get out of the car, started asking all kinds of questions, where I've been, what I've been doing. And I'm a straight-edge kid, then, so, you know, I was like, I'm just a passenger. I don't know why you're hassling me. And he got real upset, and thought I was being disrespectful. Like, he was going to take me in. Like, I haven't done anything wrong, but... Just looking like a skate kid in, in Forest City, Iowa. Apparently, it was a, a pretty big crime. Well, it sounds
2: like you were abducted by these hoodlums. And they should have been <laughs> arrested them for abducting you. Uh, no, I know. Yeah. I should never have gotten that car with those girls. Is one of them your wife now?
1: No, 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 oh. no. All of them
0: are not, <laughs> not that cool of a <laughs>
1: story. Yeah, yeah. we. We moved to Utah and started the series,
0: <laughs> a colony. Uh, so, yep. uh, so we're about up until the point you're at. Uh, you're at uh, True Value there, or is it
1: Ace Hardware? Yeah, uh, and now it's Ace. It was True Value at the time. Um, yeah, man. I kind of it was a uh, one of those typical young life situations where a relationship had ended, and I didn't know where to go or what I wanted to do. So, I moved back home to regroup. I um, Wasn't looking real hard, and the, the Radio Shack US other gig was open, and I was pretty tech savvy, and I kind of I jumped into that thinking it'd be temporary, right? Like I'll just be here until something else comes along, and I went in and I learned the trade, and I kept getting promoted, and they kept paying me, and I stayed, and then I was there for like twelve years.
0: So you did? They didn't have shoes, that's why
2: you kept getting paychecks. If they would, yeah, shoes. I got money. So. Hold on. I'm still stuck. So we're this night with five girls in the car. So where were you in the five harem going? I mean, they, uh, we were they stuck in the to... friend zone. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We had a friend that lived in, uh, he went to Waldorf in okay. Forest City, Iowa, Waldorf right. college. Um, went to go see him and yeah, they're like, Hey, you want to go? I was like, yeah, why not? So I just jumped in and once I got there, they were all hanging out and there was a, a concert going on. So I bailed. I paid five bucks to go see, uh, Head P.E., P.O.D., and Project 86 Oops. And this tiny little I a solid show. college, I think.
0: I oh, would, it was great. It was I great show. P.O.D. with a girl in college. Uh, not a date or anything. We actually hosted a show together, so we went for show stuff. And uh, when P.O.D. came out on stage, she started crying like it was the Beatles. <laughs> it so was the, I had it was, a... The dumbest. I like P.O.D., but not, I mean. You didn't cry? I didn't cry. Yeah.
1: So, oddly enough, man, I I did cry at P.O.D., Uh, (laughs) not because I thought they were the Beatles or anything, but I would kind of made my way front and center, and I was kind of leaning up on the stage, and uh, Sonny kneeled down, and he was singing, and he he put his forehead on my forehead, all sweaty and gross and dreadlocked and stinky, and it was a moment. We shared a a brief eye-to-eye contact, and I I cried a little.
0: Did you you sing with him as he was singing?
1: No, man, I cannot sing at all. I didn't want to. I don't want to mess up
0: his night. <laughs> <laughs> he probably still... Remember that time I went forehead to forehead with that dude? Long hair, yeah. hassled by the cops. Yeah. And but he didn't sing along with... Right, Right. No, he died. He's still talking about that.
1: Yeah, he's real mad. Was that back in your 89-7
0: uh, days? It was. Uh the host yeah, right I hosted on. a show called 60 Minutes of Fame on Saturday nights. I forgot all about that. Yeah. And, uh, and the, yeah. the co-host wanted to go see POD, so we went, and it was... It was a great
2: show, but it was the dumbest thing that someone cried like it was. <laughs> I, I used to call and ask for you to play Stupid Request, like, but I can't play vernaculus every hour. <laughs> On the hour. Because they only have man. one song anyway. Yeah.
0: And I think that it was yeah, already going, in
2: rotation.
1: Yeah, we're going way back, man. vernaculars emphatic, yeah. emphatic back in the day. Yeah. Back when uh, We went to yeah, high school when, with
0: the guitarist uh, for Emphatic.
1: Yeah. Dude, he, uh, his daughter's making music now, which makes me feel kind of old.
2: Yeah. Uh, what's Justin? Yes, well, I can't remember his daughter's name. Uh, I, I've seen they posted their videos. Yeah, Eva and what, him have.
0: What's What's the daughter's name?
1: Oh man, I cannot remember. Yeah, I know she, she, she like a she weather a name big, like uh,
2: Sunset or something.
1: No, she did a cover song that it did pretty well. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, I think he stepped away from Emphatic actually. Well, was it Through Fire they became? Yeah, um, and he's kind of just. Being, being dad, he kind of slowed down life a little bit.
2: I believe he's got a construction job. We should maybe try to get him on because I that saw him at Casey's and Trainer. He was working for CKFM Exteriors. Huh. He was, was in their truck anyway. He might have stolen it. I don't know.
0: It could. Yeah. You know how rock stars are. Yeah.
1: Hardcore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he became a big deal, man. The emphatic thing was pretty cool for local guys. I used to go watch their shows. Yeah, you listen then, to uh, him on a got, Sirius
2: Satellite all the time.
1: Yeah, man. Then they went out to record an album, and they fired everybody except uh, Patrick and and Justin. And then pretty soon, it was just Justin and a whole bunch of strangers. And right, I don't even know who was in the band after that.
0: So there's, th- I think they're still going without Justin. So there's no yeah. original members of his own band. No, not his a own band.
2: No, not a one.
0: Playing songs that he wrote.
2: I remember they did that concert in school, and RJ was singing, and they, I think they were singing. Uh, do what they tell me or something by raging yeah. against the machine. And the teacher's like, they should not be playing this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah. It was like a homecoming thing in yeah. the old
2: gym. Yeah. Yep. It was really cool. We had a little mosh pit going like four of us. Yeah. With freshmen. Yeah. Just killing
0: freshmen. <laughs> I think <laughs> really like we were the freshmen. Yeah. That, uh, probably. <laughs> so you're a big, you're a big Excuse music me. guy. What's, uh, what are the best concerts you've gone to?
1: Oh man. Um, so hands down, cool thing I've seen. Um, obviously growing up when I did, I was a big fan of the, the grunge moment. Um, grunge was kind of the first time I dabbled in rock. I grew up a hip hop kid, oddly enough, a little kid in Southwest Iowa on the farm, listening yeah. to public enemy and run DMC and all that. I didn't listen to any rock until, uh, Pearl Jams 10 was the first rock album I ever bought. And then, um, huge fan of Allison James. Chains. I think Lane Staley's voice is phenomenal. Um, so uh, in March, uh, my wife bought tickets. We went down to see Jerry Cantrell with Greg Pucciato from Dillinger Escape Plan. And so he fills in, does the Lane Staley vocals, and Jerry does the, the harmonies. And it was amazing. I didn't think I'd ever get to hear Allison James live. And that's the, the closest you'll ever get to that.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's pretty badass. So Brad's probably now going to ask about the wife.
2: Yes, I sure can. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah, got a wife? Yeah. How, many ki- how many kids? You got a wife?
1: Yep. Happily married. Her name's Emily. Um, we've got three kids. What's she look like? Uh, Clayton. She's I'm just gorgeous. <laughs> I'm sure she is. I've never gorgeous. heard her,
2: but I'm sure she is. But yeah, three boys? No, or
1: absolutely. No, so the oldest is a boy, Clayton. Uh, he's 16. And then uh, Olivia, the middle child, is 11. And Lindsay is the little one, and she's nine. Excellent. We're
2: about the same pattern then. Pretty yeah. close. So how did you meet your wife?
1: Um, she worked for me, actually. Uh, we met at kind of a work situation. Um, she, wanted she to raise. worked for me. It's church... <laughs> true. <laughs> no, she can she'll still tell you that she was underpaid. So yeah, <laughs> met her at work and, um, she'd actually left and went to work somewhere else. Um, and then when she came back, I was like, you know, this is, I think the timing's right. And I kind of awkwardly flirted. I didn't really know how to do that very well. and So finally after like not knowing how to just ask, I'm like we should hang out sometime, and then she never left. I invited her over. We had a nice little date and stayed together, and been happily married since. How long's that been? Um, we have been married uh, together eight and a half years. Married for seven. Yeah, quite um, a while. I was married. Yeah, I was married before. I divorced, and um, yeah, so I would say happily married now for uh, seven years.
2: Well, that's great. Uh, one other one I forgot to ask that I from your high school slash college days, what was your first ever beer? Uh, well, I, I said yeah, beer party. What was your first ever beer party? Either you hosted it or went to it. What What was going through your head when you saw that?
1: Um, so my I lived in a suite. There was four of us my freshman year, and um, I was the only one who didn't drink. But we host. I'm pretty social. I'm a friendly guy. So yeah, probably the second weekend. The first weekend, everybody kind of went home because it was Labor Day weekend. So everybody wanted to get back and, you know, they tried college for a week. They want to go home and tell their parents and friends about it. And then so the second week, uh, my roommates hosted a pretty big gathering. And a suite still isn't very big. And there was probably like 50 people in there. And everybody was pretty respectful. Uh, Nobody got too out of hand. But that was probably my first big college party. Yeah,
2: yeah. I got in over my head a little bit, too. It. Uh, I think I told that story already.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh,
2: yeah. The hog. It was at a hog barn. Yep. Yeah. So we won't bore you with the details. Bore you hog barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's southwest Iowa. <laughs> uh, this this was in northwest, but there was there was a guy doing cocaine off a trunk at this hog facility up in Churchtown, USA.
1: Wow. Yeah, it really. Yeah. No, nothing. Quickly. Nothing that crazy happened. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I would just uh, tag along. 18 years old, first weekend in college. And like, Hey, you want to come to this party with us? I'm like, sure. And I show up, there's a band plan. I think there was a van that looked like it was dedicated just to deal drugs. <laughs> and uh, it was, it's like a taco truck, but for weed. Yeah. Had red lights in his, you know, he meant business.
1: <laughs> oh, that's serious. Yeah. That's, but, yeah, that's
2: getting after it. Yeah. They, they took it pretty serious. I did not expect that because that Northwest Iowa was very religious communities. And, uh, they, they, I mean, everybody shuts down on Sundays. Got to go to church. So all everybody knows where everybody is. If you're not there, you're getting persecuted. And yeah, it's it was an eye opening event for me. I'd never been to a party like that.
0: Well, got to get up early for church. Yeah, you better do this cocaine, right? Gotta the <laughs> That's what my grandma used to say, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm "Just about painting your walls." With that one, a <laughs> good one. <laughs> I love spit takes. So, yeah. so you're happily married. You got the the three kids. And uh, now, uh, tell us what you do now.
1: So um, after I was at True Value U.S. Cellular, um, I kind of moved into a regional spot. So I was a manager for Radio Shack U.S. Cellular in Red Oak in Nebraska City. And the Radio Shack thing was kind of fizzling, and U.S. Cellular was kind of booming at the time. So I I jumped ship to work for for a different agent, and I took um, Beatrice, Nebraska, and Shenandoah, Iowa, as a different territory and did that for three years. And um, yeah, the, the wireless thing kind of, kind of burned out a little bit for me and an opportunity came up to, to work for red Oak fabrication. Um, Hold on. So the owner's sons. Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, on the cell phones, how much fact is there? They plan on your cell phone wearing out. So you're forced to buy another one.
1: Um, Man. So I, I can say that, it's not a fact, but with the, the three-year terms now, you know, you, you get your phone on installments. Uh, they keep stretching that thing out to like 30 or 36 months. You know, your phone probably won't make it that long.
2: Because I got a Nokia in my dresser that would probably still work and run
1: a battery for four <laughs> days. <laughs> well, yeah, the the technology, man, the, the more stuff they packed in there. And it's odd because the cellular business is kind of what sank Radio Shack, right? So. Here I was, I was selling you a laptop, I'd sell you a digital camera, I'd sell you an MP3 player, and then all of a sudden, all that's in one device that's in your pocket. So, yeah, I think the the cellular biz kind of was a big big death note for Radio Shack.
0: That's probably true, but uh, Dylan is the reason that uh, I still, to this day, am a U.S. cellular customer. Really? I was trying to make the sale to get him uh, to buy some radio ads, so... I bought a cell phone plan and my very first smartphone <laughs> was, uh, give me a second. The delve. Was it a Samsung? Yeah. Delve? The Samsung
1: delve. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't really even an Android platform. It was a, it was a unique touchscreen so, phone that had some, a basic web browser. Yeah.
2: So you spent a thousand dollars on ads and Frank spent 15,000 on cell phone bills. So I think you got the upper, <laughs> upper hand.
1: Yeah. He's it was, it was the a fair point. trade. Yeah. Yeah. No, the US cellular thing was fun for a long time, man. You know, I got some pretty significant accolades um, towards the end of my career with that. We were one of the elite performers. So we were one of the top 14 agents in the US. Wow. Um, when I left that job, I was the, the top Apple master in the whole country for US cellular. So What's I was an like Apple number master? one out of. So they go through some specific trainings on Apple devices. It's a program that Apple offers. Um, they had 38 members or 3,800 members. And I was the, the top agent in that, um, for the whole U S. So like a cell phone hacker. Yes. Not really. No, <laughs> Not that Apple's Apple's rock solid. I mean, their security is like the government begs them to let them in and they still won't. So yeah, you're not going to hack an Apple phone.
2: I was going to say, can you get into somebody's locked phone?
1: I can help, but <laughs> so it's funny though. I've been out of that biz for a long time and people still come into red Oak fab and they're like, Hey, can you help me do this? I'm like, yeah, I can.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're fabricating metal, selling Carhartt and then fixing a screen on the side.
1: Yeah. I don't do much of the fabrication. Um, so I, I started off, like I said, I'm a retail guy and they, they hired me to to handle their Carhartt store, you know, do advertising and purchasing and sales for that. And then just naturally, you know, I kind of, branched out started handling steel sales started quoting jobs um so now i'm the operations manager for uh our machine shop and our south shop uh, where we have uh, laser tables and press brakes i order all the steel um still do all the carhartt stuff too
2: how long have you been doing that position uh four years four years how long ago was it our old buddy sherm passed away uh it's been longer than that. Well, I was just going to say when, when our good friend Sherm Roden passed away, we had you guys build a sign for us, and I dealt with somebody down there, and they did a great job building us a sign and powder coated and everything. Oh, yeah. It turned out phenomenal. But, but yeah, yeah, we still do stuff up. like that. Yeah, turned out really great.
0: No, it's great. And uh, so I don't know, is, is Red Oak Fabrication, is that kind of the hidden gem of Red Oak?
2: It absolutely is. I love Carhartt,
1: think- and I've never been there. Dude, we have. Uh it's the largest square footage. So we have like 4,800 square feet. We're the largest Carhartt store um, for sure in Southwest Iowa. If not a bigger circle than that. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a hidden gem. It's a little off the beaten path. You know, it's just two blocks south of the square. So people don't know the neighborhood per se, but yeah, man, it's it's definitely a hidden gem, you know, beautiful store layout. Uh, We just remodeled it. Um, The last two years we've done significant remodels. So yeah, it's a pretty nice location.
2: I'll have to come check it out.
0: Absolutely, get uh maybe we can get some this sweet uh, print on a Carhartt.
2: Yeah, I'll um, give you I'll give you a deal.
0: Ooh, look at that!
2: Yeah. I'd be careful though, though. Sometimes the patches chafe my nipples if it's got the <laughs> Carhartt patch. <laughs> I cut the pockets off. Oh, perfect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's uh, get into the future. Well. Is there anything present we need to know?
2: Yeah, I would just think it's going, oh. carry on. I have I have some notes here I wanted to keep down, but carry on. All right, so we've we've hit the high points. Uh, growing
0: up in Southwest Iowa, going off to uh, the metropolis of Cedar Rapids or Cedar Falls.
1: Cedar Falls, yeah. Cedar Big Falls, city of Cedar Falls.
0: And then uh, coming home, finding roots, starting a family, and now uh, yeah. going into the future. What does uh, what does that hold for Dylan?
1: Um. Over the last couple of years, um, uh, a friend of mine, you know, kind of a long time, long time we were just kind of acquaintances. We ran sort of parallel, had mutual friends, um, reconnected about five years ago and kind of found out that we both were big fans of horror movies. Um, and he was doing a YouTube channel. Like and, horror?
0: Um, no, he said horror. No, no, no. Oh, horror. Horror movies.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scary movie. Yeah. So uh, he, he decided uh, he wanted to make a movie. So two years ago, we made a short film, kind of a proof of concept, called Tapehead. Um, I'm a pretty active uh, weightlifter. He thought I could be a scary, scary villain. So I played the killer in a short film called Tapehead. It did pretty well. Uh, We entered it in festivals. It won some awards. And we knew we wanted to do more. So we, last year, made a a full-length film called Tapehead, The Return of Jacob Cobb, which is the character I play. And so... Out of the future, man, we want to get that out there a little bit more. Um, I've done, I think, four different podcasts just for, like, in the horror community, talking about the movie a little bit, Um, like to see it grow. Got another showing here at the theater next Wednesday, so um, we sold out the first showing.
2: Would you say it's more of a suspense film or a gore film, lots of blood
1: and guts? So this, you guys are all about the same age as me. So this is what we grew up on, right? Like your 80s slasher style. Yeah. Um, you know, yep. So in your face, you know, a big hulking killer. I got a pretty cool mask I wear. Um, yeah, 80s slasher. Blood and guts.
2: Like boobs for no reason. 80s. I am just going to say
1: shameless nudity. Um. So in the first one we did, we were like, hey, you know, if we're going to do this. So yeah, there's a. There's a flash. Now she's the pizza girl in the new movie. She's in the new one, but no, nope, no boobies.
0: Do you get a murder? <laughs> do you get a murderer in the new one?
1: Uh, yeah, no spoilers, but I, I absolutely kill her, <laughs> kill the shit out of her. And through that, met a lot of cool people that are, are either trying to create and, and be content creators or filmmakers themselves. Um, met a lot of cool YouTube guys that are trying to have a, a little show or a career in that field. So yeah, it's just kind of taken off, man. Making cool network connections i um, got some friends in Canada, which where I got this cool hat. Nice. What um, part of
2: Canada? Because Frank and I happen to be partaking here next month.
1: Oh, where are you going? Vancouver. Dude, so my buddy lives in uh, Victoria. So he lives on Vancouver Island.
0: Yeah. We're actually going to take the ferry over there and and then take the boat gorgeous.
1: too. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm yeah, glad I, I to get my... to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, this guy I met, and actually that's kind of how I met him, was through my buddy's YouTube channel. He was a subscriber, and um, he kind of hit me up one time. He had a question about something, and we've been, uh, over the last three years, like pretty tight. He sends me all kinds of cool Canadian goods, and I send him local Iowa stuff, and yeah, it's been pretty fun. I've got a buddy that I met down in Georgia, so Where can we find bread.
2: your videos at, your movies at?
1: Um, so the short film, it's, it's on YouTube. Uh, we sold physical copies. We found out a lot of people don't have Blu-ray and DVD players anymore. That era is slowly dwindling. Do
2: yeah. you have a so, stack of those in your closet?
1: Um, oh, I've got no in my in my main living room space, man. I got a huge video collection that in vinyl. You know, I'm a big physical media collector. No, I, I mean, love all and the
2: ones you guys printed up of your own movie. Do you have like cases of those oh. you couldn't sell?
1: Yeah, I uh, no, they sell pretty well. Yeah, um, yeah, we we've always got them for sale. Um, like I said we did a. Uh, a theatrical showing for the new one here in Red Oak in uh, July. No, June. So in June, uh, we sold it out. We sold out the theater. That um, theater
2: is phenomenal. By the way, I took my kids down there a couple months ago and it was what, two bucks to get in or
1: something. Yeah. $2 movies, man. You can't beat it.
2: Yeah. I think we were there with all three of us for 12 bucks with snacks and everything. Yeah, and,
1: it's insane. Yeah. Everything, man. It's, it's super cheap. Um, yeah. We sold out the theater in June and then, the theater made a ton of money on concessions. Like they said, more than they typically do in a whole weekend. So they asked us to come back August and July. Didn't work out very well. So uh, we're going to do another showing next Wednesday.
2: Well, we'll put it out there, put it out here in case because so, yeah. Red,
1: Red Oak theater. Yep. Uh, Wednesday, September 6th. It's my birthday. Ooh. So come, come tell me happy birthday. Come see the movie.
2: Do you ever worry that some of your murder fantasies might come to life? You're like, Oh, this is going to be a little bit too much fun. I need to pull the murder mask no. back a little bit.
1: <laughs> no, man. I'm not really one of those method actors. You know, I get out there. and <laughs> Even, it's kind of nice I get to wear a mask because a lot of times I'm laughing, just having a good time. But, yeah.
2: So, did uh, did you ever take any acting classes or just pick it up with your buddy and be like, hey, I think I can do this?
1: Yeah, no, just, you know, a lot of physical performance, um, you know, playing the killer. I don't have any dialogue or anything like that per se, but... Yeah, just mostly physical. A lot of stunt performing, more so than what I'd say acting. So, and I can do some expressing through the mask, but
0: it's more of a Jason Voorhees silent killer kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, you know, definitely not like witty like Freddy Krueger. I don't have any funny punchlines. Uh, but yeah, more of a, like a Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees. Yeah.
2: So, what's your favorite your favorite way to murder in the movie?
1: Uh, so in the first movie, I had a really cool, um, a beer bottle scene. So I crack a guy on the head with a beer bottle and then I stabbed him in the forehead with the broken part of it. Um, and then as he falls down, blood kind of pours out. It's pretty sweet. Um,
0: like out of the top, like the, a fountain.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the second one, so the full length film, um, I won't say my favorite kill cause it's a pretty big spoiler, but, um. There's a, a police officer. So the guy that I killed in the first movie with the beer bottle, um, he came back with the second film, not as the same character, but um, he's, a, he's a cop. So we have a really cool showdown. He and I are really good. Um, as far as chemistry goes, we know we're not going to hurt each other, but we get pretty, pretty down tight with the, the action sequence. And he's super fit, but he's a, a very thin guy. He doesn't weigh a whole lot. So there's a, a part where he swings at me and I grab him by the head, and I pick him up, and I squeeze until his eye pops out.
2: So who does all your – do you guys do your own special
1: effects? Yep, yep. So uh, Dustin Mattson is my friend that wrote and uh, directed both of these films. And, yeah, him, and then we have a, a makeup lady, uh, Chelsea Juarez, that does a lot of the makeup. But, yeah, it's all in-house. Everybody's Our, our crew is pretty small. Um, as far as, like, lights, sound, cinematography, director, there's, like, four of us. So, and then we have another girl that does makeup. So You filmed and everything most, right there near people. your area? Yeah, so we filmed most of this in Shenandoah. Um, the first movie we filmed in Farragut because um, the director of photography, which is my buddy's wife, Megan, um, her mom owns a building, and she let us use it for nothing. So the first one we filmed in Farragut. The second one we filmed in Shenandoah. Uh, we did film one sequence down in uh, Liberty, Missouri, just outside of Kansas City. But yeah, most everything was was locally shot. It seemed
2: like Chandel would be a good place for murdering. Oh yeah, yeah. Locals don't ask many questions.
1: So the city was really cool. They let us block off the street for sequences, and people would literally have a fit. And one guy drove through people's yards to go around the cones. So yeah, I, I probably could have killed him in real life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Do you have any aspirations to do more <laughs> Jacob Cobb stuff or uh, branch out and do something else?
1: Yeah, I want to do more films. Um, there's two projects that my buddy's working on now. One's kind of a short film, um, and I'll, I'll be a, a henchman or a tough guy in that one. And then an anthology movie, which is set. So he created this fictional town called Brower, Illinois. And so everything will kind of take place in Brower. Um, he's working on an anthology actually, so it'll be a pretty big production. And in that one, um, I'll have to shave the beard. He wants me to just rock the mustache. Um, and I'll play a detective in that one and I'll be like the one character that's in like every segment in the anthology. Oh, wow. So yeah, got more acting on the, on the books for me.
2: As I try to shave my beard once in a while, are you going to shave it down in segments to see how far down you want to go? Like maybe go with the
1: handlebar
2: or a chin strap or
1: something? Uh well, I rocked the chin strap for longer than it was cool. Uh, I think when I first met frank i was I was rocking the chin strap Fair um, certain
2: I was too I, I was gonna say I did up to yeah. about six
1: months ago <laughs> yeah no i don't I don't think I'll go back to the chin strap, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll do like the Fu Manchu maybe to shave out the middle and see what it yeah. looks like but. yeah
2: i I tried a handlebar one day, and my wife said, "You go in there and shave that right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. My wife and my, my kids are not happy about that. Um, my middle daughter, Olivia, she's really mad about this whole shaving off the beard thing. And every time we see my buddy, she's like, you do not make him shave. He's like, it's part of the character. And she's like, I think it's dumb.
0: <laughs> Cop, cops can't have beards. <laughs> Apparently not. So that's, that's amazing. So I, I really did want to get into the uh, the movie making. Was there any yeah. part of, of this uh, whole process of uh, making a movie that surprised you?
1: Um, yeah, man. So realistically, just the amount of time it takes for one scene, um, that was hugely eye-opening. For the first film, my son got to be in it. The actor we had scheduled for the first day of shooting no-showed us. So I, I called my son in sick to school. He played the video store employee that plays the prank that, that kills my character. So the first day, I mean, we were shooting from probably 9 a.m. until like 6 or 7, and I was super stoked. My buddy starts to put it together. I was like, man, how much do we have? He's like, two and a half
0: minutes.
1: (laughs) And I didn't realize, I mean, you watch a movie and the way it's edited, you don't really notice it, but, you know, like if we're filming us talking right now, we would film it over Brad's shoulder, over my shoulder, over Frank's shoulder, and then you do a mid-range, a close-up, a wide. So you do all these different shots. You might have... 12 different setups for one scene. Right. And I had no idea like what kind of time that was going to take.
0: So that's why they do multi-camera, right? So they can yeah. set those yeah, up you know, when you're, and, and then they yeah, so do it, more with less, so to speak.
1: Right. Yeah. In big productions, you know, they would have, you know, an A cam and a B cam and, you know, sometimes more than that even. Um, but yeah, then if you're, if you want to do it well, you know, you'll set up and you will be ready to shoot and you think everything's good. And then, the boom mic is in the shot, or there's a reflection, you know, you can see this or see that. It's a lot of trial and error to get all your setups right.
0: So then what about, uh, you mentioned uh, the awards that it's won. What kind of uh, accolades has, has, has it gotten?
1: Um, so we got Best Gore. Um, I can't remember all the festivals offhand, hands, but um, we got Best Gore. Uh, Best nudity in the first one. There's a a boobie flash. Nice. I don't know if there's a lot of competition for that award. There's been a hell of a flash, you got best nudity. It's pretty brief, but I don't know that we had a lot of competition in that festival. But yeah, (laughs) best nudity, best best gore. Um, I think we got best kill, runner up for best kill. Um, There was an award recently. It was um, voted character. They'd most like to see more. So, yeah, people seem to gravitate and, and have an appreciation for the Jacob Cobb character.
0: So, without giving too much away, how did your son, the video store employee, cause the origin of a, a homicidal
1: murderer? So, the kind of in a nutshell, this, this thing takes place from a physical media turning point. So, when VHS is transitioning to DVD, uh, my character, Jacob Cobb, it's kind of slow. He's your special kid. And all he did at the video store was rewind tapes. You bring in your tape didn't rewind it after you pause all the booby scenes. And I have to put it in the rewinder. That's my job. And as the DVD era is coming in, I'm going to be out of work. And so, uh, my son and another guy, uh, they play the video store employees, Cliff and Rondo. They decide they're going to play a prank on me and they, uh, they dump a bucket of VHS tapes off the shelf, and they all fall on my head, and it kills me. <laughs> I
2: I found it on the IMDb here. Yeah. returns from the grave to exact revenge at Video Barn.
1: Yep. Yeah, the Video Barn is our fictitious small-town mom-and-pop video store. So to the,
0: So you said it was Browville, Illinois. Brower, Illinois. Brower, Illinois. Is that down yep. the road from Shermer, Illinois, where yeah, all the John yeah. Hughes took place?
1: Yep. Yep. Which is not River, a route, Illinois. Illinois isn't too far from Brower.
2: I was looking at the IMDB, yep. I'm sorry. Oh. He was looking well, he was looking for the nudity is what he was looking oh, for. Oh yeah, I, I still haven't found where <laughs> but it says just good indie horror film. I really enjoyed watching it. The dialogue is funny and the gore is awesome, practical and effective. All right. It's got good reviews. Yeah, and we didn't even have to pay that guy that much. I was going to say, was it was username Dylan? <laughs> so can you get it on Amazon Prime or anything like any of the?
1: Yeah. Oh. great. Uh, unfortunately not. That's something that I've kind of been pursuing, and I know um, Dustin, the director, he's been looking as well. It's not realistic. It's not difficult, but it is a little bit costly. You can't just send them your files. You have to go through like an aggregator is what they call it. So you basically hire somebody to – Convert your movie to whatever file type. Um, Apple uses their own. Amazon uses their own. Um, Tubi, you can put it on Tubi. Um, But yeah, basically, you just can't hand them the file directly. You pay somebody to take it from you and give it to them. So I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet. Hmm.
2: Sounds like right now they're making money to convert it.
1: Yeah. Sign up yeah the first one's available on youtube Um, my buddy's channel is 3d video so if you go to 3d video um, if you search 3d video tapehead uh, the first film is on there the second one since we're still selling pretty well and we're doing some theatrical showings and whatnot uh, we haven't put it on youtube yet and we're still trying to figure out what digital avenue we want to go so that one right now is just available on physical media Um, that's been the biggest trick you know so this this thing is kind of a love letter to that era. You know, the video stores, um, VHS, DVD, physical media, and it's almost like hypocritical to put it out digitally, but at the same time, like that's the market, right? right. We need, and, and people will tell you like exposure doesn't pay the bills. You know, you're not going to get a big return on your investment, mm-hmm. but you are getting eyes on it. You know, you're getting people interested that might support the next project. Um, you know, we, we crowdfunded the second film, um, The first film was out of pocket. My buddy been saving up money to do that. He really wanted to try his hand at making a film. Uh, that was all self-funded. The second one we crowdfunded, um, and then kicked in the money that we made off the first one, um, to pay for the second one. The anthology project will be pretty substantial. Um, financially, it will take a lot more than what we did even for, um, the full length movie. So, yeah, we got to try to figure out a way to get revenue off this thing as well. But also, we need eyes, we need attention. So that's kind of the catch twenty two on streaming. Yeah.
2: Have you tried calling Rob Zombie and
1: see if he'll back you? Uh, that's a whole show. We could do a whole show about my thoughts on Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, but when it comes to streaming, you know, if if you had a choice, it, <coughs>
2: excuse
0: me, either go to B, but I'd probably go not to B. Any questions? <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's been nailing Instagram. these all week. I just been ripping, yeah.
0: Yeah. ripping these one-liners off. So, anything else? Uh, are you curious? Anything else Wait, about? Where, where
2: would you like your movie career to take you? I'm, I mean, do you do you, you want to be a full time actor and just you know, just
1: shoot movies and write movies and? Um, it's fun, man. I love it. Um, I would like to be able to do something like that more. I don't know about full. I love my job. I'm not one of those people that doesn't like to go to work. You know, I got a really good job, work for really great people. Um, if I could do one project a year and get a little money off of that, you know, I would enjoy it. You know, that'd be, it'd be my goal. You know, I don't, I don't have huge aspirations to become a, a famous actor or stunt performer or anything like that, but I do enjoy it. And you know, I'd like to do at least one film a year. Um, pretty loyal to my, my buddy that put me on first, you know, anything he wants to do, I'm bound to do. But at the same time, you know, if people call and they need somebody for anything, you know, and that's the nice thing about being on a small crew, you know, if, if people want to do work, you know, I've, I've helped with pretty much every avenue of filmmaking. So other than the editing part, you know, his wife and he take care of that pretty well. But, you know, doing script supervisor, helping with line reads, you know, moving lights, setting up shots, uh, you name it. You know, I've, I've kind of done a lot of the behind the scenes stuff.
0: It's got to be pretty funny to see them making a movie and then the main uh, killer in the movie is also behind scenes grabbing stage lights and (laughs) moving them or going to get in coffee for the the PA or whatever.
1: Yeah, man, giving people snacks. It's funny, too. So whenever we watch the movie, and my, my wife and kids are tired of me saying it. And whenever I watch it with somebody new, I'm like, okay, you see that closet? I'm in there reading lines. You know, you see that curtain? I'm behind that curtain telling that girl what to say. So, yeah, it's it's fun, man. Like I so said, I was on, I think there's only a small, small amount of footage that I wasn't able to make it for. Otherwise, yeah, like 98% of the filming of that thing, I was, I was on set. Wow. You know, even if I wasn't in costume, I was there helping out in any way I could. So... One thing,
2: David Covney makes a lot of movies, and he's been in some horror movies and then a lot of good actions and some series. But when he writes them, he tends to make himself the hero and always gets the girl and has lots of sex. So do you think
1: <laughs> Emily's ever going to get happen.
2: suspicious? Like, hey, Huskum, you got to bone all these chicks in this movie when you keep writing your
1: part in there. I just I just play an ugly monster and get to kill everybody, so she's not too worried.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this has been, this has been absolutely great. Uh, Dylan, this has uh, been fun catching up. We don't get to talk near enough yeah.
2: now that I'm not your, your ad rep. Uh, then again, b- before we sign off, oh, you sorry, need to pimp. No, before you sign off, you need to pimp your screening down there in Red Oak again.
1: Yeah. Uh, this, it's Wednesday, September 6th. Uh, the show is at seven. We open the doors at six. Uh, we do have a merch table. You can buy copies of the movie, buy posters, um, most of the cast and crew will be there as well. You we can meet some of the people behind this film, hang out. Uh, it's a good time. Like I said, the first time it sold out, and I think we turned away almost 50 people. You know, we sold it out in the first half hour, and we still have people lining up. So the second showing, hopefully we sell out again. Uh, yeah, come early. Show up at 6 o'clock. Meet us. You know, we're happy to meet and talk to people.
2: That was, sounds great. I hope it works out, sir. And Brand's, uh... yeah, You guys should come down. Brad's a nine-year-old daughter is a big horror flick fan. She does. My wife and daughter, we all watch horror flick. Well, my boys don't so much like them, but my wife and daughter both like them. So can,
1: can they, we get a like job
0: mask so she can be the, the tape head for Halloween?
1: Dude, So my, my middle daughter, that's what she was last year. Um, she's a huge, she loves it. I mean, she just thinks it's the coolest thing that her dad's a horror villain. Um, we made her a little tape head costume. So, yeah, I okay. think I said it's, it's I wouldn't call it a family film, but yeah, it's, it's not like grossly inappropriate or anything like that. It's not something that you would well, and, You know, if, if a kid likes horror, they'd be into it.
2: On the IMDb, it says comedy horror.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the dialogue is, is very fast paced, um, kind of like what we're doing now. You know, it's, it's really the way my buddy writes is how people talk. It doesn't feel like scripted. You know what I mean? He really writes it to be the way that the people of that age, um, we got a lot of like late teen, early twenties actors in this. It's how people communicate. It's how people talk. You know, they're they're giving each other hard times. Um, we've got two police officers, and uh, that are cop characters, I guess, in this movie. That their dialogue is hilarious. Their back and forth is is super funny. There's a lot of good laughs in it. Um, there's a lot of emotional heaviness too, though. He wrote characters that you're really going to connect with. So as you see me start to knock them off one by one, you're going to feel a little bit sad about that. Oh.
0: <laughs> Now I won't go, Dylan.
1: <laughs> you got to go.
0: You no, know, this has been great. So I think we can uh, wrap it up. And we always uh, wrap these things up, Dylan, with uh, words of wisdom. Do you have any words of wisdom for our
1: audience? Um, man, so we talked a lot about, you know, different places I've been in life. My favorite quote that was told to me, um, and it really kind of helped me not be – realistically not everybody wants to stay in Southwest Iowa forever and I wasn't for or against that notion but when I came back and really started to excel in my sales career um, uh, a peer of mine told me you bloom where you're planted and so I've always loved that quote you know wherever you plant your roots just do the best you can do and you'll grow.